I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye fans, for another edition of the Hawkeye History Podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. I am the Hawkeye Nation publisher, Rob Howe, and I'm happy to be joined today by, and I told him this story uh, on the phone the last time I talked to him, and he, I don't think he remembered, when I, my first time I interviewed him was at Drake Stadium after the Shrine Ball when he was a high school senior. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to be joined by Aaron Cantman, former Hawkeye and longtime NFL player. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You don't remember that, do you? <laughs> when you hit me up with that one, I was like, you are taking me way back. Uh, I don't. I remember the Shrine game, but uh, as far as to say, it must not have been a memorable interview. But I do remember you from our time in Iowa. And I don't, well, that's good. I feel, I feel a little bit better. <laughs> but, um, I don't even remember the last time they played the Shrine Bowl at Drake Stadium. I know they moved it. They were playing it yeah. at Ames for a while. And then huh? I think now they play it at UNI. Oh, I, I didn't even know that. that. It was actually a, it was a great, a great deal. It was kind of an honor back then. I, I don't know what it, what it looks like now for seniors, but that was a big deal. You got to play in the Shrine game as a senior, like that was the cream of the crop. And, um, I still remember that that was a, that was a neat experience. And it probably gives you a kind of a, you know, is, is a nice transition because you're, you know, you know, with the Shriners, you're, you're fine. You're, and you probably do this in high school to a degree, but then when you get to college and the pros, you talk, you talk about giving back and doing things for right. people that in need, I, I would imagine that kind of, was a good look into what would it would be like for you, you know, when you got to Iowa and then in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, when you when you're in high school and you're a young kid, you associate the Shriners with like your city parade, right? right. <laughs> you know, because there's the guys that spin around in the motor, the you know motorcycles or whatever. Right. And but they they do so much great stuff, and you got to visit the Shriner Hospital, and it was it was neat because uh, I played in the Shrine game then in college too between my um, college and professional uh, okay. careers. So, yeah, it was, it's, it's a neat deal. It's a neat deal. Um, 
I guess we'll we'll go down memory lane in a minute here, Aaron. But let's catch people up on uh, what you're doing today. You're retired from the NFL. Kind of what what you're up to these days. What you're doing professionally, family life, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I started a leadership development company about oh, it's been about four years ago now, called the Line. Uh, and so we really uh, have been working around the country with different leaders um, on helping them become the best versions of themselves, and that's that's what's occupied the majority of my time. Uh, so that's been outstanding. Um, and then I'm also the uh, uh, the father of four kids, my wife and I. And so we live between Iowa City and Stolen, or between Iowa City and Cedar Rapids, and all the things that go with the reality of of, of uh, you know parenting four kids. And um, in the fall time, I spend time coaching uh, at Solon. Um, I've been a volunteer coach there for eight eight, eight seasons. So. Wow. Between all of that, that's that's kind of what life looks like for me. Yeah, and I think it'd be remiss of us not to talk about kind of the times we're living in now and, and what we're going through as a country. How how are you dealing that with that as a as a family? You know, and and you know, going through that with your children, and you know, this is I noticed with my kids, it's kind of a learning experience. Yeah, I I would say, you know, the interesting thing is that. Um, we're, we're all real busy, right? Uh, this is one of the principles of a line that, that time is our greatest commodity and resource. Um, and one thing, I guess the silver lining in the midst of the, 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 the physical and the economic challenges with this pandemic is that it's, it's giving everyone the opportunity to, to have time back in a mm-hmm. unique way. And so I feel like for our family, that's been a positive, um, Again, with four kids and all the different things that that they're involved with and this and that, um, having uh, my wife and I talked about this, this is probably the the single greatest time that we will have um, this much concentrated time as a family. And so trying to make the most of that. So, yeah, our kids have learned a lot uh, in in this process. Uh, As I mentioned, we live between Iowa City and and Cedar Rapids on on an acreage. And so we've been fortunate to have a little space. Um, and get a lot of projects and, and uh, learn some things like, you know, just practical. How do we how do we change oil and um, <laughs> how do we, you know, bake and make food and make sure we're getting laundry done and right. just basic life things that I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of times just get done uh, for you or, um, yeah, you don't see some of the, the ins and outs of that. So uh, we've tried to make the most of it. How old are your your children, Aaron? What what what's the range? Yeah, so our oldest uh, is sixteen. Um, our next one down uh, is in is in eighth grade. He's just about to turn fourteen, and then we've got um, a twelve year old. Those are our boys, and then we've got a caboose, uh, Noel. That's that's uh, eight. There you go. Yep. And, and did you meet your wife at Iowa? <laughs> we met in high school. No, oh, we were wow. high school sweethearts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the funny story is this: um, She moved from Farmer City, Farmer City, Illinois, when she was in eighth grade. I was in sixth grade, and I asked her to dance at this junior high dance that we had, and uh, I got rejected. And so I took that in stride, and then uh, tried again as a sophomore when she was a senior. And thankfully, she said yes, and um, we were married. Uh, let's see, three years later, really young, 
I mean, I look back on it and I think, um, you know, I asked her to marry me at 19, believe it or not, which is crazy since we have a 16 year old. Um, but we were married a year later. Um, uh, I was a sophomore at Iowa. She was a senior. She actually, the day we got married, she graduated. So, um, she's been my best friend for a long time. So she was a Hawkeye too, Aaron? She went to Iowa? She went to you and I for two years and then she came to Iowa, um, when, when I, when I graduated. So we were kind of a package deal. <laughs> cool. I mean, it's um, funny. Literally, I, I was, you know, I was a recruit and I'd go to all these different, you know, visits and colleges and, uh, you know, I'm sure guys bring their girlfriends a lot, but, um, for us, it was kind of a package deal. You know, she was going to come along and, and we were pretty serious and we knew it. And so, um, she went on the visits with me. It was kind of a unique deal. Nice. And yeah. we'll talk about the NFL more, but, um, you know, you got to see a lot of places while you were playing professional football. Was the plan to come back to the Iowa City area or did that just happen? Um, no, it, it was a plan for sure. Um, how it ha- happened though was probably different. Uh, I had actually signed my first big contract with Green Bay. And so I had an advisor that said, you need to, you need to stick some resources in, in some land. And so mm-hmm. we thought, well, <laughs> where are we going to do that? You know, we were living in Wisconsin and, and, uh, so long story short, we're like, well, let's look back in Iowa City. So we found this beautiful piece of, of land. Um, yeah. And then it was actually really, uh, it was out of what I thought of, it was, it was overpriced. So I waited a few years and it was still on the market in 2008 and, uh, made, made an offer at that time. And, and, uh, we got it, it was 40 acre piece of land and, we didn't know if we were going to live in Iowa, to be honest with you. Um, just thought it would be a – I was following instructions, you know. You're supposed to put some money in some land. I uh, thought it would be a good investment. And uh, as I, my career in Green Bay transitioned then to going to Jacksonville, and my uh, time started dwindling down, and we as a family started talking about, okay, where do we want to raise these four kids? Where are we going to spend our time? Because um, it's obviously a significant decision. Uh, Iowa just became kind of a, uh, we, we were gravitationally pulled back. Uh, and thankfully we had this, this piece of property. Um, so that made it easier as well. But, um, we just wanted to raise our kids in this state, uh, around the values of this state, the people of this state. Um, you know, I'd been fortunate to, um, just go around the country playing in different stadiums and some of the different things that I'd done, some of the travel that I've experienced and, um, just felt like this was this was the state we wanted to be in. Plus, a, a lot of our family was back here. You know, being from the same high school, we had grandpas and grandmas that were were, mm. uh, were both back were um, back in Iowa, and so I think all of those realities kind of led us back to this area. And we're obviously very fortunate and blessed to to be back here. Sure. How, how I I wonder. I, this is I don't want to forget this question. How did you end up getting uh, connected with Sol, Solon's football program? Um, well, to be honest with you, um, let me think about that. <laughs> How did that happen? Um, well, you know what? I guess it was, it was, uh, so a guy named Dan Dickel, uh, Dan was a, yeah. was a good, good friend and a mentor to me, uh, former know. Hawkeye as well. Um, yeah. coached at Iowa city West. We spent time together when I was in college. And then when I was coming back to Iowa, we connected our, when we decided we were gonna come back to Iowa, 
um, he and I connected over something. I don't know if I was speaking for maybe, I think I was speaking for FCA or something. And anyway, long story short, he and Kevin Miller were yep. meeting. And um, I had this land here. Um, we had the land here um, in Solon. We didn't even know about Solon, to be honest with you. Um, people say, why'd you come to Solon? I'm like, well, <laughs> we fi- you know, Solon found us. We didn't really know a lot about it. And then the more we researched it, we're like, wow, this is a great community. Um, but, um, yeah, so I started hanging out with Kevin, Dan, and um, and then the other piece was this. Once we knew we were going to go into Solon, I had a contract with um, with Nike. And so there was the ability for a former or a current player to um, uh, to allot some funds to a high school program. And so I thought, what a great way to come into the community. And Kevin and I had built a relationship. And, and so um, that was just another way to kind of we built our our, uh, our relationship from there. And tremendous man. Uh, we're going to miss him as our head football coach. Um, but uh I think of, I think a great deal uh, of him. Uh, he reminds me a lot of, of Coach Thomas and tries to live by principles and uh, and values and morals. And we try to help our young men, um, yeah, do things the right way and become better versions of themselves as they go through our Spartan program. That's well said, Kevin's a Kevin's a good guy, and I remember the why I was laughing when you brought up Coach Dickel or Dan Dickel because <laughs> when I first moved here. Back in the late 90s, um, Dan had already moved on from Iowa City West, and it was at what at the time was Highland Lone Tree, and Kevin Miller was on his yeah. staff there. And that was the first time mm-hmm. I got to meet those guys. That was probably, oh, wow. shoot, 97 or 98 yeah. there, so that they were on the same staff, and they really had it going down there. They had a heck of a mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, they're both great coaches, great men. Yep. And uh, Kevin will be missed, but I know he's going to enjoy uh, watching his son play college football, and that's what it's really all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think he's just, you know, uh, we we've talked at length. Yeah, he's just in a situation, in the season of his life, where um, this makes the he's at peace with the decision that he made, and I'm I'm really happy uh, for him. Sad for uh, that part, that chapter that's closed, but. Um, you know, our administration right now is in the process of um, finding that next that next leader, and and um, they're going to do a great job. So, and I, let's jump in with um, with your high school career. I think that's a good. You you brought up Coach Thomas, and I think uh, you know that that's a good topic for us to discuss on here. You're, you're you know Ed Thomas. A lot of people know the story around the state and around the country with what happened to him, yeah. which was was tragic. Uh, no other word really to describe it. Um, yeah. I, I guess before we get to that part of it, wh- what do you remember about him and what type of role mm-hmm. did he play in your life as a coach and mm-hmm. as a mentor? Well, that's a great question. Um, what do I remember uh, about him? I remember a lot <laughs> uh, in terms of just um, – I think, you know, and now I spend the majority of my time professionally in leadership development. Um, Coach Thomas is part of that, um, as I've understood it, um, in a number of different levels. Uh, one of them being that he helped me understand the value of time. Um, so I, I tell a story, um, about how, um, this is actually one of the most significant things that I remember about our relationship and it has nothing to do with football. 
but um, it was a it was, it was I was a senior, and it was 1998, um, and uh, that particular morning we had an in service uh, due to some kind of I don't know whatever. So we had a school around 10 a.m. Mm. and after about 90 minutes of school, um, I remember walking to the lunchroom, looking out the window, and seeing that snow was about to start flying. And um, so we sit down for lunch, and sure enough, by the time lunch is just about over, um, the intercom it perks up and, and says that we're going to have an early dismissal. Everyone cheers, right? I get up, take my tray back. Um, on my way back, I stop to talk, talk to the lunchroom monitor, who was Coach Thomas. And um, we had a special relationship, you know, as you just alluded to. I mean, he um, had influenced me in significant ways, four years with him. Um, you know, I, we'd achieved a lot together, um, lots of special talks and this and that, but he was never really stern with me I, for whatever reason, right? We just gelled. And maybe that's why I, I, um, remember this so well, because out of character, <laughs> I, I, uh, I said to him, which wasn't kind of my way, but I started complaining a little bit around what a wasted day that this was, you know, we came to school late. Now we're going to leave early. Um, <laughs> why did we really get out of bed kind of deal? Um, <laughs> and then like only coach Thomas could do, um, you just have to know him, but uh, his arms were crossed and he looked at me and he said, and he said, camp each day is a gift. You're exchanging a day of your life for today. Don't waste it because you'll never get back. And, uh, and, and like only he could do it. I don't know if he had the bells timed or said it. You'll never get it back. Um, the the bell the buzzer sounded. He turned on a dime and he like walked the other way. And it just there's moments in your life that mm. are profound, right? That was one of them for me. Um, because here I am, eighteen year old kid, all American, think I got it all figured out, you know. And he just it was one of those that went right into my heart. And so when I think about Ed, uh, one of the things I talk about is that he had great, uh, he had great emotional, like honesty and consistency, just the way he lived his life. Um, and doesn't mean he was always warm and fuzzy, but he was mm -hmm. the same guy, you know, and he, he walked his talk. And I think it created a level of trust in um, us as young people. You just didn't want to, he was a type of leader. You just didn't want to let him down, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, he just, that's why I said, you know, that's what, that's what Kevin's done a nice job with in our program with Solon and some of our other coaches. Like you just, there was something about him that you said he's, he's thought through some pretty important things in life. Um, and yeah, and he had all the sayings and I could, I could give you all those and stuff. I could talk about it forever, right? <laughs> Uh, he's such an influential person in my life, um, even though he's gone. Um, but his legacy continues in some pretty powerful ways. So, um, yeah, that's what I think about when I think about him. Um, I just think about a, a true leader. And it's amazing how some people might have viewed that, that interaction as just kind of simple or, or not much mm -hmm. to it. But the fact that this many years later, something like that has still impacts you and sticks with you i think just yeah. speaks volumes of of you know the the people that that impact our lives we call it at a line intersections of time and purpose yeah where there's moments where you don't know but you're present 
and you're, you're, you, the gap between who you are and who you present yourself to be, they've, they, they kind of faded away. That's mm-hmm. what Ed did a great job of. He was who he was, you know, um, and, and, uh, not perfectly. No one's got it all figured out. Sure. But I think he, um, lived that in such a way that those moments happened more consistently for him, right? Where, yeah, in a, in a pretty, which you would think benign moment. Right. We we were on the Uniondome floor together, uh, <laughs> won a lot of football games together, had right. all kinds of accolades and awards and articles and, you know, but what I remember was that moment. <laughs> you know, I remember a lot That's of other things too, but I think it does speak to the fact that there's people in our lives that there are moments like that, that, that when we when we really take the time to intentionally look and reflect on them, we understand what they've given us, and it gives us a different level of gratitude for that person and that interaction. And you spoke to this, Aaron, the success you guys had at Applington Par- Parkersburg. What a, what a mm-hmm. great run you guys had there! In addition to who he was as a as a person and, and you know mm-hmm. as a mentor, why were you guys? I mean, obviously you have good players, but why so successful? <laughs> the joke was it was in the water, right? That was that was. <laughs> That's what everybody joke. says that can't explain uh, it, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, yeah. They got something in the water. I don't know, man. For a while, it was just it just was it was special, you know. And uh, it's a special community. It's special people. We got to see that firsthand when the when the tornado ripped through um, our hometown. Um, you know, there, again, there's an ethos, and I think uh, Coach had a, a tremendous part in, in being a leader in that culture um, of what it means to, again, be a certain type of person who's other-centered. But it, but it wasn't fake, <laughs> and yeah. you could feel it. And so I think uh, um, part of the success of AP during that time that, that, that I was at least um, in, in that system was it was predicated on that. Um, that we're, we're going to do our best. Coach used to say, just show up and care. Boys, you just show up and care and we'll do the rest. Right? How simple is that? Yeah. You know, I don't care what time it is, if it's plyos at 630, if it's whatever, you just show up and you care. We'll, we'll do the rest. Can you do that for me? You know? Um, mm. and I think that gives, um, gives a young person, um, what they're looking for. You know, yeah. they want to be part of something. Young people want to be part of something bigger than themselves. We have that desire as humans. Um, if we can just, if we can just help people get there. And I think Coach Thomas, the staff, um, the people of the community, um, again, it's, nothing's idyllic. You know, I don't want to paint some utopia. Um, right. But I think the reality is, is there's a lot of really great things, a lot of great people that coalesced. Um, for a time period there that, um, yeah, it was pretty special. And, you know, the byproduct was that we were winning a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and successful, but it was really the stuff underneath that was driving that success. Culture. Always culture, my friend. Yep. Always. And it, it's, and I always lean on Coach Ferentz's, he says, you know, they're cliches for a reason because they're usually true and people talk about mm-hmm. culture and that can be a cliche, but yeah. I just, whenever, I mean, I've been covering foot, you know, sports for a long time. Mm-hmm. Whenever you find success, it's, it's about the culture. 
it, yeah, I mean, we we talk a long time about this. This is this is a deep passion of mine. Yeah, um, that's why I do what I do and spend my time this way. Uh, because the reality is that I've been part of a lot of teams. I've been part of been around a lot of leaders, had a lot of unique experiences. Um, and yeah, it always does, you know, understanding the, the values that drive, um, organizations, um, teams, you know, what those core leaders are about, uh, what are the cultural expectations underneath the surface? We all have them. Um, uh, and then how they're communicated, you know, there's ways to, to really help accelerate that for people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, culture is is the deal. And I think specifically, even what we found um, in business recently with this COVID deal is, um, you know, the reality is, is technology many times um, can it's, it's great. It's tremendous, but it can it can um, accentuate almost a feeling of isolation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and lack of humanness. And we were created to be interactive with one another. That's why this whole social distancing thing is, is emotionally taxing. Um, and why it's hard for teams, you know, to do Zoom calls. You, <laughs> there's something you get when you're together, you know. Yeah. Your eyes kind of glaze over after a while. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, yeah, I, like I said, I go down on a lot of different tangents with it, but um, you, you, you steer the ship here. Yep. Um, yeah, and I encourage people to check out uh, what Aaron's doing professionally here to kind of get an insight into to what he was uh, the topic he was starting to broach there. So um, it's it's what, what's the name of your company again to get people uh, to be able to check out? Uh, I'm sure you have stuff yeah. available. Online. Yeah, yeah, Align the AlignProcess.com is our website. Okay, yep. awesome. Um, back to as you got going through high school. You obviously, I remember, and we talked about this at the top of the podcast, you were a highly regarded recruit. Um, what was it like going through that process? It's a whole lot different now with the exposure these guys get, but I mean, I'm yeah. sure you were still getting a lot of pats on the back and, mm-hmm. and a lot of attention and coaches coming through the school and all that stuff. Yeah. What do you remember about that time? Well, you know, so it was unique. I was the last, um, Division one guy that came through for uh, a while. So Casey started it, um, Whitman right. and then Jared DeFreeze and then Brad Meester. Mm-hmm. And then here comes along, you know, me. And so those guys kind of blazed the trail. And then I got to reap some of those rewards because they're like, Oh, we know about Abby Parkinsburg, Coach Thomas and this and that. So I think that helped kind of, um, increase, um, whatever the hype that went with, um, the things that I went through in high school, because I remember getting some awards. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm from a town, 80 people. I grew up in Kessley, Iowa. You know, I'm, you're making me a parade all American. Like that's in the newspaper for the whole country. I did what, you know, um, I just remember things like that where you're just like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, there was a lot to, to just process around, um, those realities as a young man. Um, but it was, it was significant. Um, that was one of my dreams, you know, was to play, um, in the NFL, to play football, to go play for, uh, you play in college, you know, all those things. So, um, there was a lot of, uh, affirmation and adulation that comes with being a recruit. And now, 
um, talking to recruits. And uh, before I started the line, I worked with the NFLPA um, uh, with an, an entity called the Trust, which is we worked with former players. And we had a mentoring program for a while with young up-and-comers. And so we'd reach out to these kids who um, – who basically data proved, you know, like if you get invited to the Army All-Star game, for instance, mm-hmm. over a 10-year right. period, you had like a 40 to 60% chance of making the NFL roster. Isn't that mm. crazy? Yeah. They could identify that way back when. So we're reaching out to these kids. And uh, I remember one kid in particular. Um, I'll keep it anonymous so I don't embarrass him. But okay. I reached out to him. He was a defensive end, and uh, he, he was number one, number one recruits in the country. And uh, and I remember reaching out to him. I'm not a social media guy, and um, so I had to get Twitter, and we're DMing back and forth, and we set up a time to talk. And uh, I call him. He doesn't call. I do it a couple more times, and he doesn't pick up. And then he just straight up, like, ghosts me. And I just thought to him, and it wasn't an ego thing for me. I just thought to myself, what in the world is, <laughs> like, what has changed? If I were in high school and I had someone wanting to share with me who probably had some valuable insights to give. Sure. And so I think I think what's changed is just a little bit of, um, I think we need more Coach Thomases, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think we need um, – I think we need more emphasis on on being great teammates and uh, mm-hmm. being the right kind of person rather than just, you know, um, worrying about what we can get and how fast we can get there. Yeah. Um, but and I'm not trying to dog it. I, I, you know, there's a lot, lot of great kids and a lot of, um, you know, but um, those are the kind. That's what I appreciate about Iowa. There's a different kind of young man that's that's going to the University of Iowa and they're speaking those young men out and. And uh, it's it's why it's different. So, mm-hmm. so what do you remember about being recruited by Coach Fry? <laughs> well, it was mostly. So I'm I sure there's some great stories here. <laughs> well, you know. So anyway, yeah, I, I had the pleasure of of kind of a unique recruiting experience. You know, um, so Coach Fry. I got a lot of letters and this and that, and this probably sounds really kind of uppity or whatever, but if they weren't handwritten, I really didn't spend much time <laughs> reading them, right? Because I got so many of them. Sure. And and so um, anyway, when they would come, if they would come from Coach Fry, you know, or they would come from, from Coach Elliott, um, or they would come from Brett Bielema, that's back when faxes were important. And, right. uh, you know, we get faxes from them, and I'd get these things, and yeah, it was just, it was it was pretty neat, you know. And you'd go to a, a Kinnick game and and uh, have the opportunity to be in the locker room and um, you know, see some. I, I still remember seeing Bill Enninge and and some of these guys and, and their leadership and um, yeah, it was it was a wonderful experience. Uh, Coach Fry and his staff were were such a family atmosphere. Um, that whole that whole staff and the old complex, uh, there was just a sense of warmth uh, with one another. Um, that was really that was really good. Um, so yeah, I always appreciated um, yeah anything that I got from Coach Fry or he actually came to Kessley, believe it or not, to our small <laughs> town. Uh, um, Coach E and, and Coach B and uh, Coach Fry came one night just to do the in-home visit and. Um, yeah, the thing that always struck me about Coach Fry, 
uh, is his uncanny ability to remember people's names. Um, it's something I've tried to work on because uh, sometimes I'm not great at it. Cause I've met a lot of people. But that's one thing he always inspired me with is even later down the road, after I played in the NFL and um, even it, within recent years uh, before his passing, when he'd come back to Kinnick if uh, I'd been to a game or whatever, I remember going to a suite and talking to him and him asking me about my parents by name. Who does that? You know, um, <laughs> Coach Fry does that. Yeah. You know, because he had the ability to connect with young men and young people in a way to let him, the, the athlete, know that, that he cared about you. And um, so, yeah, that I think that's one of the great, um, great legacies of of his style and, and who he was as a person. Um. You obviously had a, you could have gone to a lot of different programs. What, what were some of the schools along with Iowa, some of the main schools that you looked at? Um, okay. So this is, this is going to be tough to hear <laughs> because, <laughs> Nebraska. uh, Nebraska actually, <laughs> yeah, I, I got, so I had a lot of offers and a lot of opportunities, um, because again of the publicity that I got as a high school athlete. Um, I made a decision that I didn't want to go far away. Um, so, you know, Miami was off, Penn State was off, Colorado was raw. Um, you know, just we're going to stay in the Midwest. I knew I wanted to be in the Midwest. And um, but I was I was enamored with with uh, Nebraska as well, because at that time they were they were a pretty big deal. Yeah, you know, they were really, really good. They were they were fighting for national championships. Um, they were kind of like how Alabama has been in recent you know, um, years, right. LSU, some of those, you know, that some of the teams that have been really top for a while. And, uh, and frankly, Tom Osborne was a guy that I was really intrigued with. Um, he had a similar belief structure about, um, kind of like coach Thomas. He just, I remember reading a book. So anyway, uh, and, and this is, this is <laughs> tough for Hawks fans <laughs> to hear, but the reality is, is that, um, I went out there my junior year for a, um, football camp and he brought me in and the Sears national championship trophies coach Osborne it is and he offered me a scholarship and we had a great conversation and I still didn't know I was going to go um but on my official visit I had thought about committing to Nebraska and um and then um like the day before I was going to commit um coach Osborne retired and um it completely i was like well that's not going to work <laughs> and iowa was right there for me but i, I you know that, just being honest that's what i, I, I yeah. thought about um and so it was a quick my visit to iowa was like i think the next weekend um and made the right decision I mean, we decided that weekend that obviously Iowa was going to be a place for um for us to go, and I say us, Lindy was obviously, like I said, it was kind of a package deal. Right. Uh, my decision, but, um, you know, and I tell you what, Rob, it was one of the best decisions that I ever made because being part of the Hawkeye program, being part of the Hawk family, being part of Coach Fry's last year, and then having Coach Ferentz come in, and us going one and ten, and then three and nine, and then the Alamo Bowl, and mm -hmm. helping build that. We went up, Nebraska went down, and um, 
and the experiences, the growth, the the learning as a young man um, through being part of the Hawkeye program and around the men that I was around, um, you know, it, it shaped a lot of who I am. And so it's interesting, again, those moments, right, those intersections of time right. and purpose. Um, it's fascinating. I talked to Coach Osborne uh, in recent years uh, for something else, and uh, he remembers that. I was floored, you know. He remembers the whole deal. <laughs> and uh, so it was just interesting. We had a good chuckle about that whole um that whole scenario and how it unfolded and things. So anyway, there you go. Uh, in the end, I'm super glad that I'm a Hawkeye. Um, but it was, uh, it was precarious there for a little bit. So Things happen for a reason, right? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. They always do. <laughs> so you, I, 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 we talked about this on the phone last time I talked to you, but... Um, just an inter- you and you just mentioned it. Just that interesting time frame that you were at Iowa, where mm-hmm. you play your true freshman year uh, for Coach Fry, then the emotion of him retiring and being sick, mm-hmm. and then yeah. Coach Ferentz coming in. What was that like? That time period, you know, specifically that like ninety eight, mm-hmm. ninety nine time period, where it's a big deal. I mean, you thought you were going to play for Coach Fry for you know, four years and yeah. things change. Yeah. Well, in the, in the other one you got to throw in there is Coach Elliott. Right, right. right. I mean, yeah. Coach Elliott got sick. Right. You know, everyone forgets that um, Coach Elliott was probably, right. um, he was next in line, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was yeah, probably sure. his seat to take. Good point. And, uh, you know, and, and, and people kind of forget that, that he was the guy. And everyone thinks, well, it's going to be Bob Stoops, Coach Ferentz. Or it was Ferentz at that time. <laughs> you know, everyone <laughs> everyone had it wrong. You know, how do you say his last name? You know? And uh, anyway, um, so, yeah, I just think that was a really, really unique time. That's what I mean. You learn so much in the adverse situations of life. And um, I'll never forget there was a daily eye when picture of Coach Fry walking up the stairs. Yeah. I mean, he just I looks so tired. That. You know, you remember that picture? It's I kind do. of iconic, you know, yep. just yep. this man who had given so much to this university, to this football team, to this state. Yes. And they had battled. That whole year was a battle. There had been tragedy on the team. There, you know, things didn't go our way from a win-loss record. There was just all kinds of stuff. Um, and that's what I mean. That's what, again, part of how shaped me and, and, and my leadership understanding, um, just how things operate, how we bounce back, how we built. Um, you know, I'll never forget Coach Fry, even at Carver, um, kind of his going away sending and then just mm-hmm. listening to him. And, um, you know, you, you spoke about Kevin earlier, right? The sacrifices, Kevin Miller, the sacrifices coaches make to do what they really love and the, what that does on the family and things like that. I just heard all of that um but then you've got coach Elliott who's sick he got a 
job, you know, in the, um, I don't remember, it was a, uh, kind of like the foundation or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but he couldn't, he couldn't take it. So then it was again, Bob Stoops and Coach Ferentz and, um, everyone wanted Coach Stoops, obviously. Uh, but, um, man, obviously we got the right guy. Not that Coach Stoops probably wouldn't have done a great job too, but, um, man, uh, Coach Ferentz obviously has been tremendous and you th- look at the longevity. Now, who would have thought all the way back then that, that he would be, what um he has become people didn't think that time right uh, no <laughs> he, right it was more like who's this guy <laughs> and um but i do remember uh bill dervich actually just saying he's like camp we got a good one we got a good one because he remembered him from back in the 80s staff mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. um yeah and we did we sure did and that was a tough that was a tough first year um I still remember cutting tape off from a practice in the bubble um, one fall afternoon, and and coach walked through, and I just remember both feeling like <laughs> this is long and this is hard. Um, but you know, he talked about just continuing to chop wood, you know, yeah. keeping at it, and that's what we did. And um, you know, yeah, it, it, that was that was, I guess that's. That's what I'm saying. There's, there was some neat things that were being built, and that's what happens when there's adversity. you got to make a choice. You know, you're going to fight or you're going to lay down. And um, there was a group of players, and obviously led by Coach Ferentz and Coach Doyle and that staff that I think helped all of us, um, you know, combine to say we're going to fight. We're going to get better. We're going to build something. And um, that's that powerful, you know. And you played did did you play you played linebacker for I Coach Friday that first year and yeah. then Coach Ferentz convinced you to move up to the line? How, take us through that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, you're taking me back here, man. This is what I do with people. I take them back in their story. Um yeah, so anyway, um yeah, that was my sophomore year. Um so Coach Parker comes in. We played in Eagle defense. Um, so I was in the mold of the, the Vernon Rollins type, right? I was right, a right. big linebacker. You know, we, we box everything. We had the outside backers, the stand-up guys, you know, Jeff Kramer, Bill and those guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're going to box all the pullers, and we have to just go from tackle to tight end, keep everything in the box and make a bunch of tackles. Norm Parker comes in. He brings a 4-3 that we spill everything. Um you know, everything's going to go outside. We're going to make it go towards the sidelines. Um, well, my body type was different, right? And so um, I, you know, I did what I could do. But um, I was tall. I had moved into a class that I played as a true freshman. We were in a place where we were trying to get as much talent on the field as possible. So I played that entire year as a uh, as the Mike starting Mike linebacker. Um but kind of knew the writing was on the wall, you know, I'm, I'm 6'4", uh, 245 pounds with a big frame, can run. Um, but maybe there's a better way to utilize our talent. And so that off season, I remember uh, Coach Bielema and uh, Coach Ferentz just presented me with it, with the opportunity, like, hey, do you, you know, you want to become a defensive end? 
And uh, I actually remember going and sitting down with Coach Elliott, like, you know, Coach, what do I, what do I do? <laughs> you know, and he gave me some counsel. And um, I remember there was a Monday night football game when I kind of had to make the decision. There was a Monday night football game it was against the, it was the Tennessee Titans versus the Oakland Raiders. And uh, Greg Beekert was the linebacker for the Raiders. <laughs> And, uh, his number was 54, which was my number. Right. And then Tennessee had Javon Curse, the freak. Yep. And, uh, I saw these two, like, two different people. I was like, okay, there's, there's Beekert. I see him. I see how he does it. He's cerebral, smart. He plays linebacker and this and that. But then there's Javon Curse. And so I thought <laughs> to myself, I wonder if I should be like that. You know, that was yeah. one of the, one of the stories that comes to my mind, you know. And I wasn't Javon Curse by any means to start out. <laughs> let's, let's make that real clear. Um, you know, quite the opposite, actually. But um, anyway, I thought, yeah, that probably makes the most sense. It's also great for our team. You know, we get we get some other guys on the field. Uh, anyway, um, and probably one of the best blessings of that that move, that decision, was getting to be coached by Ron Aiken. Yeah. Who is another just strong uh it's a strong influence uh, in that season of my life. Just um, wonderful man, wonderful coach, treated me like a son, treated all his players like a son. And um, so that was just, I think that was another part of, of uh, you said earlier, nothing happens by accident, right? Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. That was, that was one of those moments. And um, yeah, so that transition happened and, and, uh, yeah, I, my junior year. So I got married. <laughs> my, uh, I got married. I switched positions. Um, my wife started cooking a lot more for me. Uh, Lindy did. I'm not trying to put her in that role, but you know, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Like I had, I had, yeah, steady, sure. you know, I could, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I started putting weight on and uh, I became a defensive end. And obviously that, that turned out pretty well. Interestingly enough, Coach Ferentz, uh will still say that he he uh, he still wanted me to play center. That was actually <laughs> something he had thought about. So <laughs> he's, he always teases me. He's like, I still think you would look really good with a ball in between your legs, you know, <laughs> as a, as a center. But uh, anyway, there you go. He loves moving guys to say. He always he does. He pictures in his sleep. He pictures moving guys to say. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, you know, a, a kid that I love that, that uh, has had a great start to his career so far, yeah. Tyler Lynn. Yeah. You know, he's one of our kids that, that we've had at Solon and, and a great kid, great family. Um, and uh, when he had that same choice to make, you know, uh, just – yeah, gave him my uh, two cents for whatever it was worth, and, and obviously he's done great and, and has a bright future. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't get asked to get moved to that position, or you don't get asked to move in general uh, at Iowa unless, um, you know, there's some foresight and thought around how, how it could be better for the team and for, for you personally, usually. So, yeah. So you talked about this a little bit, but um... – just just the progression you guys made as a program with, with Coach Ferentz that first year with the one win, and, and thankfully LeVar Woods got the return. <laughs> and we, I still talk to him about <laughs> and that. And remember, the end zone. <laughs> I remember with being in the press box and watching that going, that they're going to win. <laughs> they're going to win. They're going to win. Um, but then oh, you lose 13 in a row, yeah. and then you yeah. get to 2000. 
2013 in a row. But then you catch Michigan State, a team that that 99 game, I think it was Colin Cole. That was the Jurassic Park game where you guys played mm-hmm. Michigan State with Plexico Burris. But then DJ, you get them the DJ next Duckett. year. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But um, that had to have been rewarding that, you know, that you talked about that moment in the bubble with you and Coach Ferentz saying, you know, this is going to take mm-hmm. work, but we're going to get there. But then you get Michigan State. Then you win at Penn State. Um, Kyle McCann with the quarterback sneaks all day long and had them on their heels. Ryan Hansen. Was up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Hansen's interception. Yep, yep. yep, I remember that yeah. game being up there in State College and, and thinking, boy, this was – because I went there thinking, oh, I'm going to make this trip out to State College and I'm going to have to write about these guys losing. <laughs> and, it was, you know, we're being, yeah. this is honest yeah. hour here, Aaron. You were talking yeah. about going – I'm being honest about being a journalist and writing what I think yes. I'm writing right, about. Right. You guys, what everyone says. You guys come yeah. back and, and Coach Parker puts that game plan against, uh, you know, Northwestern's Randy Walker, Northwestern spread offense. And you guys yeah, get those, 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 yep. three, those three wins that year had to give you guys the foundation or the feeling that, okay, this, we're, this is going in the, the right way. We're, we're getting this thing together. We had that. That's a great point, Rob. We, um, you're bringing it all back here as I think about it in those, <laughs> those moments because it's, it's interesting. You don't think, you know, they're in the recesses of your mind, right? Right, right. <laughs> but they're still there, those memories, and you're exactly right. And uh, I think we knew that we were developing something that was great and that was special and it was built on a solid foundation. And we were starting to see tangible results, you know, as, as the season progressed. The, the scoreboard wasn't always saying it. You know, mm-hmm. but that Michigan State game, I tell you, that's still a super fun memory. The crowd stormed the field right. after the game. You would have thought it was the Rose Bowl. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's been that long since we had won. And then going up to Penn State and, you know, coaches' connections in Pennsylvania and his emotion and, and the way that we played. We just, like I said, I think there were some neat things that were beginning to happen. Um, I still remember the Northwestern, same way, Kustak, the quarterback. and Yep. Um, yeah, that running back, Damian Anderson, maybe, yes. um, yeah, you're pulling them all, all back here, <laughs> but, um, yeah, just all of those things. Um, and then we finished with Minnesota that year. I'm trying yes. to think. And then we, I think we lost that one, didn't we? Um, yeah, it was, uh, at the end. yeah, it was up there. Yeah. Yep. But, um, we lost were, we knew, we did, we knew we were a better team, um, we had some switching going on at quarterback. Mm-hmm. There was just there was still that kind of reality. We were trying to find our way a little bit, but we were heading in the right direction. And um, people were buying. We had to learn how to win. Frankly, <laughs> you know what right. I mean. Um, we had to learn how to. And, and what I mean by that is um, build the culture, set the foundation, and then in the moment make the play. Because in the end, you still got to perform, right? Um, it can't just all be about working hard and doing this. You still got to make the play. Um, but we had done it. We had built the right foundation and we were starting to make some of those plays. And that, that was satisfying. That was rewarding. Um, cause you saw guys, different guys step up and, and do it. And, um, that was pretty neat. And then, um, the following season, you guys get to a bowl game and, and win that bowl game. That kind of was the – it seemed like it was just incremental steps. But, again, you guys lost some close games. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, tough loss to Wisconsin. I remember the Wisconsin game for some reason. That one was tough. I, you guys lost by maybe a touchdown or something up there. That was a, but, but again, close games. The, the, uh, that was the year, obviously, with 9-11, where that Iowa State game was played at the end of the Iowa year. And State I, came at the end. Right. Yeah. I did one of these with Grant Steen and was teasing him about the interception. <laughs> <laughs> the interception, <laughs> and he, he yeah. says he still gets that from you guys all the time. Where he's like, and uh, he remembers Coach pa- whenever Coach Parker sure. would see him. Coach Parker would make fun of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we should have got but that one. There's one that that's the only. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, and, and I love Grant. He's he's so fun to talk to about yeah. that stuff too. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, that that you got. What I guess just when you. When you were done with that season and, you know, to go from where you were to, to how you were able to finish on the high note with the win against Texas Tech, um, I guess how gratifying was that? And, and, and I mean, I, I would think that that has to be um, a highlight for you, that, that you were able to, as you talked about, your group of guys, your, that group of seniors in 2001 – and even in 2099, the Matt Bowens and those guys, you guys helped build that foundation for what was to come next. Yeah, I, it still is one of the most satisfying feelings I've had uh, when I uh, played football. Um, you know, just when you, you incrementally, uh, you don't always get to see the results, right? I guess that's right. obviously one of the lessons of life. But when you get a chance to see it and feel it and uh, know what went into it behind the scenes, not everyone knew all that. Right? right, they just see wins and losses and whatever. But um, the guys that knew and the guys that were part of it, it was special because uh, it took a lot of investment and uh, in, in, you know, energy, a lot of emotion, a lot of just grit and resilience. And um, and then we won the game in kind of dramatic fashion. And um, yeah, I just remember that night down in San Antonio, just being really thankful. I remember flicking back to, again to that idea of of, uh, of Nebraska, Iowa, and thinking, "Man, I am so glad! I am so glad I was a Hawkeye uh, because it was it was you know, it helped helped me become the man that I've become." And uh, you know that the whole football um, process was part of that. So that was a really that was that was super satisfying, really rewarding. Um, you know, really enjoyable uh, way to just cap, you know, that that career. And it had to be satisfying, too, to see what happened the next season and then beyond mm-hmm. that, just kind of, yeah. you know, seeing where the, the program, you know, went from where you guys left it and kind of handed the baton off. Yeah, the it hit another level, right? Yeah. I mean, um, it was, you know, the next – and that was the class I came in with, right? So those were the guys right. that I was – that was my recruiting class with, with those guys and mm-hmm. so um you know obviously didn't end well with the bowl game but all the way through just you know that was it was a tremendous year um that 2002 season and and um yeah and it just kind of it put us into uh, a new place and um yeah, yeah really really fun great years uh, great players uh, a lot of neat stories you know guys that um, continued to just the, the, the philosophy of, of recruit and develop and, you know, it just continued to gain steam and, um, and it's continued, you know, it's, it's still continuing. You know, I, I told right. you earlier on the phone call, um, I had that engagement 
at the, the football stadium um, before this COVID deal with some some leaders. Uh, hearing Coach Doyle and how he continues to just have a passion to get better, and it's not like they've stopped, you know. Right. Um, there's still new iterations and new ways, and how do we continue to, um, you know, keep breaking the rock, keep sawing wood. Um, it doesn't stop. So. I've kept you a long time, Aaron, so we won't pay a ton of time to the NFL, but I don't want to dismiss it completely either. I want to talk about, you know, your, your, what, 10, 11 year NFL career and, and what that was like for you. What, I guess we, the NFL drafts next week, you know, you, you've yeah. got, we'll be well represented in that once again. You know, Tristan Wirfs, probably yeah. a top 10 pick. Uh, AJ Epinesa, likely a first round pick. You were a fifth round pick, um, mm-hmm. in 2002. Um, by Green Bay, an interesting, you know, franchise that in a lot of ways is, you know, kind of parallels with, with the, you know, the Iowa community and things like that. What was that like being drafted and, and then going to Green Bay, Bay as your, uh, your first stop in, in the pros? Uh, I was, again, just everything happens for a reason. It was tremendous. I, I'll tell you, so <clears throat> I wasn't invited to the combine. Um, and I remember Coach Ferentz actually sent a letter to the people that made those decisions. And I mean, he, he went to bat for me, yeah. <laughs> but I still wasn't invited. And um, because people didn't, even though I led the Big Ten in sacks, I had a different label, you know. Um, and that's okay because that's that was what people saw. Um, and so I took pre-draft visits because I wasn't invited to the combine because people had to check you out, you know. I ran well at the pro day. So that put me on the map a little bit. I took visits out at the Jets, Green Bay, and San Diego. Think about diversity of geographic locations <laughs> right. and areas and right. I right. Mean, it couldn't be more diverse, right? And so I just remember before the draft I was student teaching at the time, finishing my degree, um, elementary education. And uh I just remember thinking that weekend like I have no idea. I just hope I get an opportunity. <laughs> and my 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 mind uh, set had been, okay, I think I'm going to have a chance. Um, I just want to make a great first impression wherever it is. And um, yeah, so the 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 day first day ticked by, and I remember we watched it at my, my grandfather's house. He had a big sixty some inch TV. Um, and uh first day went by nothing and I saw guys go off the board and I'm like, Hey, I don't know, I think <laughs> that's what you always think when you get past by, you know. <laughs> and uh anyway, long story short, uh fifth round comes, obviously Green Bay uh selects uh selects me and we just so fortunate. Green Bay is um there is a lot of similarities with Iowa City. It's a smaller town, uh wonderful, wonderful fan base. Um, it's probably a little more blue collar, you know, than than uh, Iowa City with the mm-hmm. hospital and college, but um, just great fans, people, values. Um, they love their they love their football, um, and just the storied franchise of it. You know, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, right. It was tremendous, and so getting to experience and be part of that tradition and. Um, you know, part of everything that took place during um, my time, those eight years with Green Bay, was wonderful experience. We had three of our four kids there. You know, we just have really fond memories of our time in Wisconsin. So, 
Yeah, it was great. And then you talked about, you know, the diversity of, you know, the New York Jets and New York City and San Diego and Green Bay. There's quite a bit of a difference between Green Bay and Jacksonville, Florida. What was that transition like? Mm-hmm. Well, that was different because obviously Jacksonville was not an established franchise. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, they had success when they came into the league, but um, by that time, I had learned that it's all about people, and um, they were they were great people in Jacksonville. Uh, unfortunately, what happened in my so. I got injured in my, my contract year in 2009 um, and then uh, came back and was playing defensive end against I had played outside linebacker in 2009 um, and had really, was actually thoroughly enjoying uh, the time in Jacksonville. Um, you know, we're 10 minutes from the beach and uh, yeah. it was just, it was a great, great, great time. Uh, but then almost a year to the day um, in practice, I tore my other ACL uh-huh. uh, on a pass rush drill. And that kind of, I think, began the end of, I could start to see that my body was not continuing to cooperate with me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the next year was the lockout. And, um, and then I came back in 2011. Um, but still, I, I wasn't the same player after two, two ACLs and played a little bit. But for three years in a row, I ended on IR and, um, and, and yeah, I started to see the writing on the wall. So, um, but Jacksonville itself, uh, is a great, it's a great community. I, I, I think it's, um, it's actually a really wonderful football town. There's great fans there, um, that are just waiting for, you know, a little more success because there's a lot of Gator fans there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's a wonderful town. Uh, we still visit it. Um, you know, our, our, our daughter, uh, joined the family in Jacksonville. So that was mm-hmm. obviously the highlight of our time down there. But um, yeah, I actually have great memories uh, uh, down there as well. Some really great friendships, uh, particularly with the training staff. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the training room. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm thankful for that time as well. Yeah. Jacksonville is interesting. We got to chat, you know, as, as, as Iowa Hawkeye people, we got to spend some time, the game, sucked mm-hmm. the tax layer bowl but yeah you know we sure. did get a chance to get down there and experience some of jacksonville and it is it's a it's a unique, unique place it's a little bit different than some other places in florida it's less i don't know how i would yeah it's south georgia is what it yeah, is. yeah 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 that's a good it's, one to describe it's, yeah it's really i mean the reality is is that uh, it's the largest ge- geographic um, city in America. People don't know that. It's really spread out. Right. Uh, there's great places to eat. You know, Jacksonville downtown is not where a lot of people live. They live closer mm-hmm. to the beach, you know, Atlantic Beach, Jackson Beach, Ponte Vedra. Um, those are the areas most people live. And, and those are those are great communities. Again, really good people. Um, yeah, we, we've, we found it actually to be quite, quite homey and, and uh, some wonderful people that we still. In fact, we were down there for spring break this this before the whole <laughs> yeah. before the whole world shut down. We were just down there. We go down there uh, when we can to, to visit friends. So, well, I think you were able to prove uh, prove yourself in the NFL. Two time Pro Bowler, two time Second mm-hmm. Team All Pro, four hundred eighty three career tackles, fifty eight sacks, twelve forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries. That's that's a pretty good run, Aaron. You've got to be pretty proud mm-hmm. of uh, what you were able to accomplish at the pro level. 
Yeah, it was. It was a tremendous career. I learned a ton. Um, yeah, I, I look back at my time in the NFL. It seems like so long ago now, um, you know, as you transition in life and, and find the next phases. But um, I, I look back with very fond memories. Uh, <laughs> in fact, um, you know, they're playing a lot of reruns now on, yes. on television. Sure. Sure. And uh, I got a text from some of our coaches from the – we have a stolen coaches thread, and one of our coaches is a big Vikings fan, and he's giving <laughs> me a hard time. He's like, hey, the 2009, uh, you know, Packers, when Favre was, with, you know, with the uh, Vikings, yeah. was on TV. And so we caught, like, the last quarter or, uh, of the game, and the kids came down, and that was kind of fun because you just forget all that, you know. You forget – uh, that kind of part of your life a little bit. So it was fun to reminisce together. Um, <laughs> but it did. I talked to my wife afterwards. We were just saying what a, what a, what a great, uh, opportunity that was, uh, for us. Um, and, uh, yeah, really thankful for the 10 years that we spent, uh, in the league. So. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm super stoked that we got to do this, Aaron. And, and like I yeah. talked to you when I was tr- like convincing you to come on, <laughs> come on with me. I mean, just <laughs> the, the lives that you've touched and have touched you from, you know, from, you know, mm-hmm. back to Casey and, you know, Jared and, uh, Co- you know, Coach Thomas and Coach Fry and Coach Elliott and Coach Bielema and Coach Aiken and Coach Parker. It's both are the Coach Parkers and, you know, Coach Ferentz and God, you know, and your NFL career, you really have had a heck of a, and I'm not putting you out the pasture, but man, just really, really, uh, really, really amazing story. So I, I really appreciate you, uh, telling yeah. this story yeah. and letting the Hawkeye fans in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate it. If there's, uh, I've been very, very fortunate, very blessed, uh, super grateful to be around some tremendous leaders um, and, and learn some tremendous lessons and insights. And um, yeah, I, I uh, when I look back and I reflect, I, I turned 40 this past year and I just wow. think, man, what a great um, opportunity to now, as I think about uh, my continue, cause that's what I, I spend my time doing now. I try to help multiply those realities and lessons and insights uh, into those people that we get the privilege to to spend time with, and um, yeah, so it's it's a it's a neat deal um, when you begin to really understand the opportunity that we have. Um, like I said, to, this is part of our business, but to build alignment and to to multiply uh, into others, intersect time, time, purpose. It's it's a it's a significant way to live, and I'm glad I get a chance to do it. So. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense to me when we walk when we go down that list of guys that touched you that you would go ahead and pay it forward because I think that's what all those guys stand for. They stand for, you know, teaching that and in hopes of whoever they're teaching be able to pass it on. So this is that's awesome. Yeah, it's a um I've created around a concept of an equilateral triangle. Um that uh, an equilateral triangle is the strongest geometric shape there is. Mm. But one of the mm. reasons, this is part of our process, but one of the reasons I did it is because it's also, it's a fractal. And a fractal is a geometric shape that reproduces itself forever. Um, 
meaning that if if I was on a whiteboard, I'd show you like you can do more and more triangles um, mm-hmm. out of another triangle, right? And I feel like I've been the recipient of you know Coach Thomas was a fractal in my life, right? right. Uh, some of the men that you've mentioned, they've they've rubbed off into me, and I mean that's the essence of uh, I believe what a lot of us are are trying to do uh, with our time. Um, you know, as wh- wherever we're at, it doesn't mean you have to uh, do it full time uh, like I do. But wherever you're at, we all have opportunities um, to to, um, to make that difference in other people's lives uh, if we're if we take the time to to think about it and do it and be intentional. So, um, yeah. So I appreciate the time. Rob. This was fun. I, I didn't know really what to expect. So, uh, so I appreciate uh, the interaction together. It was enjoyable. Yeah, it was I and I appreciate you doing it and I think what we've talked about on this not only the memories but it's going to lead me to to google some of the things that you're talking about and hopefully folks that are listening to this it touches them a little bit and uh you know we we've all got a lot of time on our hands now so <laughs> Hopefully this will uh this will help people. So I I appreciate that aspect of this too and this has been great. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um we say people are are asking a lot more questions about who and why right now. Right, what now. right, <laughs> right. Because that's what when you when time slows down, you get an opportunity to ask some of those questions, and uh, it's pretty valuable. Um, and so I'm hopeful that um, yeah, I hope that I hope it does help some people think through some things because it's it's important. So. And uh, as well as thanking Aaron, I want to thank all of you guys that are listening to these hawk. Guy History Podcast. I hope they're enjoyable. I know I got some good feedback on the Drew Tate one that I posted uh, earlier this week. So hopefully these help you guys kind of a little escape for a little while from uh, the things that are going on right now in uh, the world. And uh, we'll get back together here soon. And uh, thanks for listening.